Greetings, everyone, and welcome back. I'm your host, Calvin Williams, a licensed professional counselor with over 25 years of experience helping individuals and families find connection and healing. And you are listening to The Counselor's Couch. Again, let me begin by reminding you nothing provided in this podcast implies a therapeutic relationship between counselor and client. It is solely for education and entertainment. Counseling can help you overcome challenges, enhance your relationships, and develop skills to lead the life that you want. If you're considering therapy, please reach out to a trained, licensed professional in your community. If you're interested in seeking counseling in the Monroe, Louisiana area, or if you live anywhere in Louisiana and you are interested in participating in teletherapy with state-approved providers, then contact HealthPoint Center. Change starts here. Psychology and Counseling Services. HealthPoint is a collaboration of independent professionals such as Williams Professional Counseling Services who are dedicated to improving your quality of life and guiding you on a positive path toward change. That's HealthPoint Center, located at 1818 Avenue of America, Monroe, Louisiana. Call today to inquire about services, providers, or book an appointment at area code 318 398-2700. That's 318-998-2700. Well, it's that time again, so pull up a cushion, kick off your shoes, and grab a cup of coffee. Let's get started with the session. You know, this episode could easily be called Things I Have Wondered. People are absolutely fascinating to me. From our incredible physical makeup and development, to the unique ways the wheels turn in our head. We're all different, but we're all the same. What truly fascinates me the most is the age-old question of why do people do what they do? Behaviorally, that is. You know, I've always been a people watcher. No, I'm not a stalker or some kind of pervert. I like to watch people and see interactions. I guess you can say I study people. Now, if you know me personally, don't freak out and quit inviting me to parties It's not something that I do every minute, and fortunately for me, it's not something I have to do. You know, and on an interesting side note, since it is Autism Awareness Month, many people that are on the spectrum study and watch people to identify the proper reaction in social situations because they struggle with alexithymia. This is the inability to identify and describe emotions experienced by themselves or others, so they may tend to watch people in an attempt to mirror what they see as an appropriate reaction. It's also interesting that about 10% of the general population experience alexithymia, while approximately 40 to 65% of those that are on the spectrum do. You know, I have a beautiful friend who's the mother of a child that struggles with this, and she openly shares the difficulty and emotional pain she and her daughter experience facing the challenges associated with this, especially as she navigates the confusing world of adolescence and young adulthood. I can tell you that she and her daughter are both rock stars in my mind, and they both possess a heart specifically designed for love. The challenges they have faced together in dealing with the reactions of others and lack of awareness is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this topic today. Why do people do what they do? As a mental health therapist, I am trained in many different strategies and theories that offer insight into finding the answer to this question. And trust me, sometimes it's difficult to find an answer, but I know and I believe that it's there. I've always believed in the concept that all behavior makes sense in context. The challenge 
is seeing the context through the eyes of the ones experiencing it. You know, years ago, there was a classic study that we had to review while we were in school. It was a case of a young child that had been admitted to a psychiatric hospital for his behavior. He was around six or seven years old, and every evening prior to bed, he would rub feces on himself. Now, of course, this was alarming behavior, and his family was concerned, overwhelmed, and even at times frustrated. His behavior at school was fine. He generally had average social development skills, so he was of average functioning and not struggling with any developmental issues that they were aware of. They tried medical professionals, psychologists, counselors, and social workers before they finally resulted in an inpatient hospitalization for the child. It was while he was hospitalized and away from his home environment and after feeling safe with the staff that he revealed to them he was being sexually molested by an adult family member. Of course, actions were taken to address the abuse and focus on the child's safety. What was fascinating was his behavior was a way of controlling his environment and stopping the abuse himself. By rubbing feces on himself, every evening, the perpetrator was disgusted with him and stopped the abuse. This child was not crazy. This child was absolutely brilliant. Now, I'm heartbroken that he had to come up with this solution, but I was fascinated by it. To the outside world, this behavior was disgusting and even crazy. But in the context of the situation, it all made sense. It wasn't until people actually understood the context that they could help him. Now, I don't want you to know, I, what I do want you to know is that this is a specific case study and it's not to be taken as a hardline interpretation of this behavior. Just because a child rubs feces on themselves does not always mean that they're being abused. So please stay with me. What this study revealed was the importance of understanding the context of a person's situation in order to understand their behavior. In Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he identifies that one of the essential habits of successful people is seeking first to understand, then to be understood. This is so important when it comes to effective listening skills, communication, and relationships. Are you listening to the person that you're talking to or arguing with with the intention of understanding or the intention to reply? The outcome of that argument or discussion depends greatly on which one of those that you choose. When I was in college, my best friend and I were always open for odd jobs to earn a little money. It was kind of a side hustle as needed. Well, one weekend, we were hired to help a lady in her yard. She had an in-ground pool in the backyard that had a leak in the pipe that needed repair. To save herself a little money on the repairs, well, she hired us as labor to dig up the lines so the pool repair people didn't have to do it. Made sense to me. We were definitely cheaper. So we were in her backyard early one Saturday morning. I can't lie to you. We'd probably had gone out the night before, so we were a little tired. Or at least I was. So there we stood. She was such a nice lady, and she was taking the time with us to explain the specifics of the job. She moved through her treasured flower beds, pointing out areas that she definitely wanted us to avoid, and clearly outlined the direction of the pipes in question that required our unique skills. Unfortunately, I wasn't listening. Now, I stood there shaking my head in agreement, probably to shake the cobwebs out of my head, but I looked like I was listening. But that's all right, because I was sure my buddy was actively listening to these instructions because he was shaking his head in agreement with her as well. So after a lengthy presentation of instructions, and she graciously left us to the project, I turned to my buddy and said, 
So now what are we doing? He returned my stare of confusion with a bewildered one of his own and said, I don't know. I thought you were listening. Well, we proceeded to argue over how we each showed the classic signs of attention with eye contact and head nodding. But needless to say, we made a huge mess, didn't get paid, and learned a valuable lesson. My friend shakes his head a lot and doesn't listen. That's the lesson. No, really. I learned the important lesson of listening with intent to understand, which, trust me, pays off professionally for me today. To truly understand the context of a person's behavior and meet them where they are, we must let go of our own issues. We must be present and we must be open. So what gets in the way of our ability to understand or even empathize with others? Sometimes there are legitimate neurological reasons or issues. However, I think we often get stuck in the idea that things are right or wrong, or maybe even good or bad. Then we attach this to our perspectives, our opinions, choices, and our beliefs. If you see it differently than me, then you're wrong and you're bad which oftentimes leads to an argument or a conflict, and damn it, I'm going to change your mind. Because I don't, I, I don't want you to be wrong, I want you to be right like me. Now, a great example of this that I use in therapy at times is, I have five people standing on one side of a table. I tell them that I want them to get to the other side of the table. One goes around the left side, one goes around the right side. One crawls under the table, and another goes across the top. Well, the last one just simply picks up the table and places it behind him. Which one did it right? They all accomplished the goal of the activity, so they were all right. Unfortunately, people will often argue about the differences in their approaches and attach a sense of superiority to their decision. And a simple exercise can turn into a battle royale. Why do we complicate it? And we do. We see it all the time at work, in politics, in marriages, in friendships. In every relational interaction that we have, this conflict arises. It's rampant in our society today. It is what leads to the divisiveness we see in our world today. We're not looking for the similarities or compromise. It's my way or the highway. It's at the heart of cancel culture. It leads to bullying, disconnect, resentment, anger, and pain. I'm right and I win. Well, what do I actually win? Is there a trophy for humiliating a friend or a spouse in an argument? Do you get a certificate of accomplishment for browbeating somebody into submission and getting your way? No, there's not. So stop doing that shit. Most professionals will tell you that conflict resolution is grounded in the concept that all behavior makes sense in context. If we increase our self-awareness, we will become aware of how we see the situation. Even the world directly influences our words and our actions. So even when we say or do things that we later regret, in that particular moment, they were true to you. It's kind of like this. There's my truth, your truth, and the truth. It's a similarity that we all share. Even the person on the other side of the conflict, or the ones that I like to call wrong. So when we try and convince somebody that they're wrong because they don't see it our way, what do they do? They defend themselves and their idea, sometimes with the ferocity of a mama bear. From their perspective, you're wrong. The issue here lies in the idea that one of us is right and the other is wrong, 
and the chances for understanding, finding resolution, healing, or even forgiving are slim. Another great example. A few weeks ago, my beautiful wife and I were driving home from an event we attended, and we had to stop and get some things to drop off at another friend's house. Well, I wasn't in the best place. In fact, I was a little agitated. I had had experienced something at the event that frustrated me. Unfortunately, I didn't use my words, and she had no idea what I was carrying. So when we went to pick up what we needed and the place was closed, I found myself even more frustrated. And I don't know about you, but frustration for me means I have a slight tendency to be, well, well, let's be honest, an ass. So I may have been short and even huffed under my breath. (sighs) Who am I kidding? I may have been a little more than a little. Well, she is usually very patient with me, but this time it was different. She became cold and distant. She was pissed. Well, of course, I assumed she was mad about my behavior. And again, instead of explaining my situation by using my words, I found myself becoming defensive, which for me means I'd turn up the ass meter. This resulted in quite a cold few days on the old Williams Ranch. A couple days later, we were able to process the event. It's so much easier to look at things from a bird's eye view with less emotion than you had at the moment, which is why I encourage couples to examine an argument after they have calmed down. When the executive functioning returns to the brain and the amygdala no longer has control of my brain, causing an instinctual reaction of survival, we do the play-by-play. What I had not realized until later was that my wife had experienced something at the same event that hurt her feelings, and she was in an emotional state where she needed me as a helpmate. However, because I was in my own stuff and unable to look at it from her perspective, and neither of us were using our words, it grew into a disconnect that separated us. I needed my partner, and she needed her partner. But neither of us acted in a manner required. We both shut down, leading to feelings of abandonment and more frustration. We were both grounded in our own version of the truth. You know, there's a saying used in the recovery community that applies here. Do you want to be happy, or do you want to be right? Obviously, I wanted to be right, and I was determined that she should see it my way. We've been married for 25 years, and we're both skilled counselors, and this still happens. Although it's rare or less frequent than our first year of marriage, every couple fights. It's part of the commitment. It's how you fight that matters. You can go nuclear and win the argument, but what's left? Would you rather be happy or right? I choose happiness in conflict resolution. Finding a resolution to conflict is not about getting your way or convincing others of your position. It's also not about bowing to another's point of view. Conflict resolution takes you beyond the notion of winner and loser altogether. However, in order to truly resolve a conflict, you must be willing to see the other person as they see themselves. We strive to put aside our own perspectives for the moment and walk a mile in their shoes. Grounding yourself in the belief that all behavior makes sense in context. The challenge is to find out what is the context. Acknowledging that you're confused, hurt, or even offended by what the other person is saying, you could then say, I just don't get it. I can tell that you feel strongly about this and it doesn't make any sense to me, so help me to understand where you're coming from. 
It's as though you and the other person are standing on opposite sides of the fence. There's an entire world of experience on your side of the fence, a world that makes sense to you. Well, so does the other person, only their world is different from yours. A conflict situation is an opportunity for you to jump the fence and visit their world for a little while. This involves self-awareness, courage, and even humility. When everything inside us wants to be right, to get our way, or to be the good guy, we're called to put it all aside, to reach out, to consider the possibility that there's another point of view that's just as valid as our own. And even if we think we know exactly what's going on with the other person, we don't really know unless we ask. It's a shortcoming that I see with couples that have been together for a long time. Oh, I know what she's going to say. Or, I know what he's going to do. Or my favorite, the interpretation of the huff. <sighs> what do you mean by that? Something that helps me and couples that I work with is I encourage that you focus on the fact that you chose this person. I even tend to remind my wife from time to time, you know, you chose me for a reason. What is that reason? I didn't choose you because you're mean, selfish, controlling, manipulative, or an ass. I chose you because you're kind, loving, caring, supportive, and helpful. Imagine then talking about a source of conflict with that person, not the ass. It really does make a huge difference. Having experienced the other person's world for a while, you then get the opportunity to take her by the hand and bring her over to the fence over to your side. You get to tell her how you see the situation, what it looks like in the context of your world. Just be aware that you don't get to say when it's time for her to make that journey back to your side. If you try too soon, she's going to let you know, either by her body language or other signals, that she's not ready yet. But if you listen with intent to understand, while you're on her side of the fence, taking a genuine interest in her perspective, then sooner or later, she'll be ready to listen to you. Now, it sounds simple, doesn't it? And it is but it's not easy. But even if we aspire to this principle, we tend to forget it when we're in conflict. So it helps to practice by cultivating an attitude of curiosity in the ordinary low-stress situations of your life. When you catch yourself judging another person, even just to yourself, try replacing the judgment with curiosity. What's that about for them? Study people. Be curious about the uniqueness of each other and know we're all grounded in similarities. I celebrate the fact that I don't think like everybody else. For years, I thought there was something wrong with me because of it. But now I realize it's a gift to be different. Some people just may not know what to do with my gift. When I can see their differences as a gift and a value, that's a whole lot of gift given in a small space. I can't lie and tell you that I always do this. I can tell you I'm getting better at it each day I practice it. If you find it hard to ask the question, well, that's all right. Just take note of the moment. You've discovered something about yourself, a place where you're resisting. It's self-awareness, which is a step towards empathy and emotional intelligence. There's no requirement to take it any further, but now you know that this is not just about the other person, that you have something at stake as well, and it's helpful to acknowledge that. Applying the concept that all behavior makes sense in context to yourself, you may become curious about what's behind your resistance 
and take the deep dive inside to find out. But you know what? That's an an entirely separate session. Well, it seems like we've reached the end of our session today. Again, I want to tell you how grateful I am that you choose to spend this time with me. As you move forward this week, I want you to reflect on a couple of things. Try and look at your interactions through the eyes of others. Reflect on all behavior makes sense in context. Cultivate a curiosity of interest. People really are fascinating, and that includes each of you. Strive to look beyond any judgment and connect with somebody this week. You never really know what's going on in somebody else's world until you look at it from their perspective. Try not to complicate it. It's just life, not rocket science, unless you want to build a rocket, that is. Now, I want to leave you today with another one of my favorite poems from the 80s and 90s by Robert Fulgham. All I really need to know, I learned in kindergarten. All I really need to know about how to live, what to do, and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in my classroom at school. These are the things that I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and thank some and draw and paint and sing and dance and work every day. Some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Be aware of wonder. Remember the little seed in the styrofoam cup. The roots go down and the plant goes up. And nobody really knows how or why, but we're all like that. Goldfish and hamsters and white mice and even the little seed in the styrofoam cup. They all die, and so do we. Remember to look around. Everything you need to know is in there somewhere. The golden rule and love and basic sanitation. Ecology and politics and equality and sane living. Take any of those items and extrapolate it into sophisticated adult terms and apply it to your family life, your work, your government, or your world, and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if all, the entire world, had cookies and milk about three o'clock every afternoon and then lay down with our blankies for a nap. Or, if all the government had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it's still true today. No matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it's best to hold hands and stick together. Remember, folks, you're not alone. Live your life intentionally, love daily, and laugh often. Don't forget, new episodes drop each Monday, so please subscribe and follow me. And leave a review. Let me know what you think. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, you can email them directly to calvin at calvincwilliamslpc.com or you can reach me on Facebook at Williams Professional Counseling Services, LLC. You can even check out my website at www.calvincwilliamslpc.com. I am always looking forward to hearing from listeners, so please feel free to submit topics of interest, comments, or questions. Thanks again for stopping by, and remember, there's always room for you 
on the counselor's couch.